This is the I Read Comic Books Podcast. I am your host, Mike Rappin. Joining me this week, two turkeys spared by presidents past who now seek revenge on the American government. Special guest, Gabe Cheng. I, I love being called a turkey. Uh, <laughs> at least as, as long as I'm not a jive turkey. Uh, well, you know, um, well, we do what we can. Uh, but, and Paul Jaisley is also here. Hello, humanoids. Uh, we are here today to talk about comic books because that's what we always do this is episode 308 um you know gabe thank you so much for coming back to the show before we get into things i just want to say welcome to our special guest who's here today oh yeah thank you for having me i'm i'm excited to be here been on the show a couple of times and it's always always good fun so uh thank you for having me back of course of course well you know let's let's just dive right into things uh folks if you haven't heard you should go back and listen to our other episodes where we had gabe on the show uh he's fantastic he writes some amazing comic books but today we're here to talk about comic books i've got these two legally mandated questions that i have to ask and they are how have you been how have comic books been let's start with you gabe Oh, I'm doing good. Uh, Thanksgiving was good. Uh, did some traveling. Did some traveling before that. Um, and uh, just in general, how comic books have been. It's it's been good. I have been. Um, I'm noticing that a couple uh, more indie comics, small comic publishers, are getting involved in Hoopla, uh, mm. which is mainly where I read comics and trade paperbacks and stuff. So I've been picking up a couple of cool things on there. I have some some friends in the indie comics community out here in Southern California. Um, one of whom I will mention uh, later in the show, but another one that I will mention uh, now is Fanbase Press. Uh, Barbara and Brian Dillon are good friends of mine, and I, I finally was able to read some of their back catalog, including their their I think it's their most recent one of their most recent Nuclear Power, which I I highly recommend. It's a very good book. They're the they're the editors on it. Um, I don't know the names of the of the creative team, but. But yeah, the comics have been going great, and uh, and I'm uh, fulfilling my for Molly Kickstarter in a couple of weeks, hopefully, uh, hopefully next week, actually. Awesome, um, yeah, and uh, and hopefully going to be launching my next comic Kickstarter in February of next year. So yeah, that's awesome, Death. Fantastic. I mean, I'm glad to hear that you're able to like get for Molly out there, given all the the supply chain issues and stuff like that. I mean, that's that's super fortunate. Not to completely tangent here, but like that's that's awesome to hear for all the people that supported that book. Yeah, I'm I'm really glad I have a printer that, you know, it's a relatively small printing. It's not like a thousand units, sure, um, but sure. I have a printer that's in the United States that um, that doesn't seem to be super delayed because of the supply chain issues. And mm-hmm. I ordered everything else uh, as far as the rewards a couple of months ago, pretty much as soon as the Kickstarter ended. So I ha- it hasn't been I, I kind of anticipated that things were just going to be slow. So I just I try to jump on that kind of immediately. So. So we'll see. Um, you know, I I'm a big fan of the USPS, and uh, I'm big supporters <laughs> of them. We'll see what happens when uh when I package it all up and put it into the mail. But hopefully, it will be coming to people very soon. Awesome, awesome. Well, well, what kind of comics have you been reading in the meantime? Not uh not too too many. I would say I have been working my way through the Expanse book series because the the sixth and final season of that show is coming back in a couple of weeks. So I wanted to catch up on that so um i've been reading that but uh i uh, i'm in a comic book club out here in socal um or in los angeles specifically and Mm -hmm. we just read a a really interesting marvel book that was um i think it was called triumph and something but anyway it was a um it's a story about dr doom and dr strange teaming up to travel to hell and fight mephisto to recover um, the soul of Doctor Doom's mother, who had made a deal with Mephisto for um, for for various reasons, 
Um, and I really liked it. Um, and but I was kind of like, uh, I, I wasn't super familiar with Doctor Doom. I'm not familiar with Doctor Strange outside of the movies. And I'm in a group with people that really like Fantastic Four, and and so they were like really excited about it. And I was like, yeah, this is this is pretty good. I like it. Yeah, thanks. But then at, at our next month's meeting, um, I'm very excited about. We're going to be reading The Good Asian. The mm, I think it's an image yeah. book. But yeah. that finally dropped on on Hoopla, and I'm very very excited to get caught up on that. I read the first issue um, when that came out and and loved it. So I've been waiting for that trade paperback, waiting for an opportunity to read it, waiting for a chance to talk about it with people. So I, I'm very very excited about that. Yeah, that that book is incredible. I've loved like every issue that's come out. I'm like one issue behind right now, but that that first arc is is very solid. So I'm I'm really excited to hear what you have to say about that because again, I I really just there's just a really cool it's a really cool take on like pulpy detective comics with like a very, very smart spin that relates to like modern day America that I, I really appreciate. So yeah, you have to let me know. I'd be yeah, interested to hear your absolutely. thoughts. I, I'm, I'm very excited. I mean, the first, the first issue just blew me away. I, I was so impressed by, by everything about the story, just how complicated the character was and how, um, how complicated the world was and, you know, how accurate it was and how the depth of the research that the, that the creative team did. And, you know, I, I hate when kind of people throw this term around, but like San Francisco as a setting really became a character of the story. And mm-hmm. I, I think that that was accomplished really well where people attempt to do that in other books or movies or TV shows or whatever, where, you know, the location becomes a character. But I really think that 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 creative team, and I, I'm sorry that I'm blanking on their names, but I really think that that creative team really nailed that. And that's what they wanted from that, that book. So yeah, I'm excited to pick it up again. Definitely. Definitely. Well, Paul, what about you? How have you been? How have comic books been? Uh, I've been good. I'm enjoying a very relaxing four day weekend here. That's coming to a close soon, unfortunately, but um, had a mm-hmm. good Thanksgiving. I had some friends over, made a uh, fantastic vegan shepherd's pie. So the first time I made it, it turned out great. So yeah, it was nice to have people over and cook for them again. So yeah, yeah. I saw the photo that you posted that <laughs> shepherd's pie, man. I was, I was very jealous. I had a good Thanksgiving myself, but holy smokes, you, you made some delicious looking food at least. <laughs> I'll definitely make it again. So I'll let you know you can come visit next time. Sounds good. Um, put, I mean, put a little piece in the mail for me. I'd appreciate <laughs> perfect. it. Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, well, the nice thing about having a few days off of work uh, is I was able to read some comics, catch up on my massive stack of floppies that's been towering in the corner of my bedroom for a while now. So mm-hmm. made a small dent in it this weekend. Uh, a couple things that stood out I wanted to talk about. One is The Thing number one. Uh, this is a mini series that I think this came out a couple weeks ago, written by Walter Mosley, art by Tom Riley with colors by Jordi Belair. Um, you may not know it because I don't really talk about the Fantastic Four that much, but Ben Grimm is probably my favorite Marvel character. But that's the problem is that I don't read a lot of FF comics. I mainly read the older stuff. So having a new story that really sort of captures the ever-love and blue-eyed thing, I really appreciated. Um, It is kind of a throwback story. Walter Mosley is actually – I think it's the first comic book he's actually written. He's better known for being a crime novelist, um, pretty successful one. And uh, he clearly loves the Jack and Stan Fantastic Four. And this kind of feels like a love letter to that era of the the team and that Mm -hmm. era of Marvel Comics. The uh, story sort of focuses on this mysterious figure who sort of looks like the Grim Reaper, uh, calls himself calls himself Mott, and he's sort of haunting a couple of different characters in the book. He ends up sort of almost possessing Ben Grimm, and as a result, Ben Grimm doesn't realize it, but he's pushing his friends away. He's acting uh, pretty mean to Alicia. So he's 
does isn't aware of what he's doing, but he's clearly changed personalities. It kind of has a Silver Age kind of vibe in that regard. There's some pretty fun moments in it. There's a part where Ben Grimm kind of gets thrown into a superhero drunk tank where uh, Hercules is, and they have to break out of it. Fun little moment there. Mm-hmm. And to see the Fantastic Four you know, in a sort of more retro type setting always works for me better than a more contemporary Fantastic Four story. And I think part of that's because uh, the artwork uh, the by Tom Riley is very Silver Age influenced. It reminds me of uh, Chris Somney or Doc Shaner. So retro looking without feeling like a direct homage to Kirby. And that also helps that Jordy Buller's colors complement the type of artwork beautifully. It's a really good looking comic. If you're a fan of uh, sort of Silver Age influenced Fantastic Four type stuff, I highly recommend it. I think it's a six issue series. So that's just the first issue I read. And I'm kind of excited to see where it goes. Gotcha. Uh, it's definitely my sort of thing. And I definitely intended that pun. So, <laughs> listen, Paul. I didn't. All I forgot to announce that this is your last episode oh, uh, no, as of no. <laughs> right now. <laughs> wow, this well, is strict. No, I mean, exactly. Gabe, things have changed since the last time you were on the show. <laughs> You're ruling um, it with an iron fist, not unlike Doctor Doom. All exactly. Right. All right, you too. This is your last episode. Too. <laughs> um. Uh, very briefly, I also read um, the last two issues of the fan, uh, Mr. Miracle, the Source of Freedom miniseries. This is a six-issue miniseries um, written by Brandon Easton with art by Fico Osio, colors by Rico Renzi, and letters by Rob Lee. Oh. Um, this is all right. Um, I'm a sucker for anything New Gods related, so obviously you're going to do a Mr. Miracle series. I'm going to check it out. It started off kind of flat for me. It kind of just felt like a generic superhero story. But the last couple of issues were pretty interesting because that's finally where it got tied into the bigger sort of New Gods, Kirby Fourth World mythology. And what's actually really interesting about this book is that it focuses on the Shiloh Norman, Mr. Miracle, not Scott mm-hmm. Free. Mm-hmm. And there's an implication toward the end of the story that the Scott Free and Big Barda that we're familiar with don't exist in this particular DCU timeline. Um, it seemed to have been erased somehow. And the, the main focus of this particular miniseries is Mr. Miracle, Shiloh Norman, fighting against a woman that claims to be the daughter of Big Barda and Scott Free. Uh, she goes by the name Never. Get it? Never Free? Um, All right. Oh, no. <laughs> sorry. Come I on, didn't guys. write that one. You can't blame <laughs> me. Brandon Easton. Don't Come shoot on. the messenger. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's sort of a fun sort of generic superhero story. I, the the problem with doing New Gods type stuff is that, you know, Kirby never intended it to be part of the mainstream DC universe. So a lot of it never quite fits. And then if you're trying to do a New Gods type story, you either end up doing too much of a Kirby homage mm-hmm. or you deviate from it so much it doesn't even feel like it's related. So it's in a tough bind for creators. I understand that. In sure. the end, it was a fun story. I do think the implications it raises for the status of the new gods in the current DCU is interesting. Unfortunately, that might be the most interesting part of the story. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But but I enjoyed it. I'm kind of curious to see where they go from here if they try to explain more of the uh, background, how uh, Big Barda and Scott's daughter came back from the future to kind of erase the lineage of Mr. Miracle. And that's another interesting thing. Mr. Miracle is a character that's always been rooted in an idea of legacy and lineage. Even the Kirby stuff is Scott Free takes over the name Mr. Miracle from um, Thaddeus Brown, and then mm-hmm. Scott Free passes it on to Shiloh Norman. It's a character that's always been had this idea of lineage and legacy rooted into it. So it's kind of curious to see them playing with that in the story, at least. Interesting. I didn't know that about the original intention of of Jack Kirby, that it wasn't supposed to be part of the the overall DCU. I mean, it's so like... 
ingrained into it now i mean be, yeah. like the justice league movie and um and a lot of the justice league like uh animated tv shows and things like that and and now even in the harley quinn tv show it's it's such a big part of it i i, I hadn't realized that at all yeah and and i i as far as i realize as far as i know i think you know kirby was he took over the um you know, he had his three books. Then he also took over the Superman's pal, Jimmy Olsen title. So he introduces Superman into some of the story. But as far as the new gods being a sort of basis for the cosmology and stuff as they've become, like, I think that all came after he left. So mm, I, there, gotcha. I mean, it might be my interpretation, but as far as I know, it's he never really wanted that. Same thing with the Eternals, which is a whole other discussion. But it's like a lot of his creator own <laughs> stuff, quote unquote, never really seems to fit in with the mainstream big two continuity for that regard. Right. Is that why in the um in the King Gerard's Mr. Miracle there's um like he's where like uh, Scott is wearing like the shirts of all the superheroes and there's a little Batman toy that the kid has and things like that like um like uh, the like the heroes hmm. exist almost in that book as kind of like as media properties as opposed to actually people that they interact with or am I am I totally missing the mark on that that you know I never made that connection but that makes sense you know yeah, I think. Yeah. There's, I need to reread that series. Admittedly, it's been a while, uh, mm-hmm. and I think going it's back been a while for it, me too. I, I, I just remember those details though. Yeah, I think it's, it would be interesting to go back and reread it now to see, you know, is the implication that it's taking place in an alternate timeline, or is it in fact that Scott's dead the entire series, which would you know sort of explain this uh, this particular Mister Miracle Mini I just was just talking about. But right, right, that's right. an interesting thing. Yeah, yeah. Again, the New Gods, I love them unconditionally, and I love New Gods stories, but they are an odd fit in the mainstream DCU. I, you know, I will say Fico Asio on this book. I mean, that art is insane. Uh, Fico <laughs> Asio also does the art on uh, no, no, no bet. Oh my gosh. The words are escaping my mouth uh, in ways that I did not intend. Uh, no one left to fight. That's the thing. Right. Sorry. I just watched yep. the James Bond. No, no good time to die or whatever. Like it's all the words <laughs> in my brain. So anyways, yeah. Fico Asio, incredible artist. Um, yeah. Interesting to see them not working on this no one left to fight book which is like a technicolor like acid splash constantly in your face (laughs) yeah um so like i just looked up a little bit of their art on this mr miracle book and it seems to be a little bit more toned down but um still very very vibrant and dynamic it's very kinetic yeah 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 kinetic yeah great word there well, for me this week, I, I want to shout out a couple of books that I read on top of, you know, I actually saw human beings for the first time that weren't my wife or the people that lived downstairs in my house for the first time in a very long time, which was nice. <laughs> I uh, drank a lot of Christmas themed whiskey, uh, which I didn't know that that was a thing, but I've discovered there are two bottles of it that just disappeared over the four days that my friends were here. But yeah, I did. I did manage to make some time to read comics on top of all of that. I read um, Anne Frank's diary, a graphic adaptation um, by Ari Foldman, illustrated by, excuse me, adapted by Ari Foldman, illustrated by David Polanski. Uh, this was Aaron's pick from our Goodreads uh, challenge that we're doing this year. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really trying to narrow that that gap. I think we've got two weeks left, two and a half weeks left as of today's recording to finish that up. So everyone should get on that. I've only got like four books left. And um, but yeah, I read this and this was ex- super engaging from start to finish um i think for one it helps that i think anne frank was a was a pretty good writer as a he's a smaller you know kid in her in her early teens which makes a really interesting adaptation for ari foldman to take in and they noted at the end of the book that they had to compress some of the early pieces and some of just the various chunks of anne frank's diary because there was a lot of it (laughs) and uh, you can only you know illustrate so much in the story um, but I was really, really impressed how they were still able to deliver an extremely powerful, like 
just look at this uh, person's life through their diary. Um, and I had never read anything of Anne Frank's diary before, so I was pretty unfamiliar other than just kind of the basic idea of her and her family went into hiding. And eventually, you know, Nazis found her family and that was, you know, the unfortunate end for them. But yeah, given that they were able to adapt this, and I think Polanski does a very good job of like just capturing Germany and Denmark and and Poland and all the various like countries that they they touch on um, very very well. But yeah, like the last fifty pages of this book are some of the some of the most powerful things that I've read in a long time. Both the ad- adapted stuff and illustrated pieces, as well as just the the straight prose that were dropped into this book. Just like or not prose, just straight diary entries that were added into or like just left in the book. Um, and Polanski, excuse me, Foldman noted in the afterward that there were some of the entries that they were like, we didn't really want to touch this. We didn't want to change anything about it because you could tell that Anne's writing capability got better and better and better as she spent so much time reading and talking and obviously playing with a lot of things that she was trying to write. Like some of these entries are just poetic and beautiful to read. And like the last entry in her diary, which is the last section of the book, is just a a tragically mundane entry. I mean, she's she's just going about everything else and talking about day-to-day life living in this, you know, annex, as the secret annex that she called it. And the fact that that was her last entry, um, it wasn't like, a, oh, no, they're going to come get us. Oh, no, we're worried. It was just a, I don't even remember what it was about, but it was just typical, just a standard thing for her to be writing about. And then there's just this big, bold, like, this is the last entry, like, shook me. And I did not think that I was going to be so, like, emotionally invested in this thing. And it really, really just knocked me over in the last couple pages so if you're not participating in the goodreads group uh, goodreads reading challenge i highly recommend you read this book regardless um if only because you know incredibly powerful story and frank's diary has been around for a very long time i think a lot of people have probably read it and touched on it in some capacity but you know as a comic book nerd this is kind of the only way to get me to read stuff <laughs> and this one did a, <laughs> did a great job at just like getting me really into the, the history of behind all of it so yeah highly recommend that i uh i'm not Jewish myself, but I do believe that tomorrow is the first night of Hanukkah. So if uh, I I think that uh, if you haven't read this, it's probably a good time to to jump in on it and and reflect. Mm-hmm. So I might I might be picking it up this week as well. I I've only heard good things about this. I know that it was nominated for an Eisner a couple of years ago. It did I I don't know if it won, mm-hmm. but yeah, I've I've only ever heard good things about this book. So I I should I should probably finally pick this up as well. Yeah, it's very very good. I mean, I think it I I think you can grab it. Probably at a library. I don't know if it's on Hoopla, depending on where you live and stuff. But yeah, it's totally worth every penny you can spend on it. Like, I think I might need to get a hard copy for myself because it was it was very very good. Um, I said five out of five in my <laughs> at the end of my my notes here. Was it written more like a graphic memoir than a graphic novel? Because I've read a couple of graphic memoirs, and you know, it's it's the that type of thing is kind of like the words take precedent over the images. So it's uh, the images are sometimes unconnected or they're just like one or mm-hmm. each cell is like a, a, a scene and then it kind of jumps around. Or is it like a continuous linear story through the panels and uh, the words are are not secondary, but are, are kind of are, are just kind of in there? Uh, yeah, it's kind of a mix of both. Like the earlier half of the book, I think the first half of the book, is more interpretations based on Anne's writings. And so you get you get a lot of her her writing, but also there's a lot more graphic, like just 
comics to it, like sequential imagery. Mm-hmm. Um, and once you get towards the latter half of the book, it's more like full page of prose, maybe a, an image of interpretation, next full page of prose with another page of interpretation, couple of sequences, and then more, more prose. Because like I said, Foldman really, I think, wanted to highlight like Rant Anne's writing capability. And I think mm-hmm. they did a good job of mixing the right imagery um, based on things that they had shown us earlier in the in the in the adaptation about you know they introduced us to all the various people that were in her life at the time and then as this the graphic novel continues the actual day-to-day interactions become less important than what actually Anne was actually writing like she stops talking about you know just like oh i had this conversation with this person and instead she starts to kind of philosophize a little bit about mm-hmm. her thoughts of various things and of course she's a teenager and so she's talking about like you know sex and and you know learning about like what sex is and how like boys learn this and girls learn that. it's like it's kind of all over the place but then again she was a teenager you know right so yeah it's, it's a mix i think i guess is the, the short answer there <laughs> um but yeah I, again i would really recommend it it's, it's fantastic uh, but I, I do want to move on really quick uh i want to talk about two other things i i read the blue flame number one through five this is from vault comics danny in our in our chat reminded me that i needed to get on this book because I had been pulling it. I just hadn't been reading it. Um, this is Christopher Cantwell and Kurt, Mike, Kurt Michael Russell together. Uh, this number one had a really interesting start, and then I fell off. You know, sometimes you just miss books, but I grabbed all the rest of the issues, and I was kind of stunned by how well this book read, if only because the story of it is really, really harsh. Like, there's this guy. He's called the Blue Flame. He's part of a vigilante group in his little small town of, I guess, not small town of Milwaukee, Wisconsin, or Minnesota, wherever Milwaukee is. And uh, I don't know. Listen, guys, I only only know so many things. Uh, But yeah, they live in Milwaukee, and uh, uh, someone walks into this thing where him and his vigilante group of regular human being people um, get gunned down. Right. On the flip side of the story, the Blue Flame, our main character, is a spacefaring superhero who can fly in jets and he's, you know, got whatever kind of superpowers that come with that. He gets brought down to this planet and these aliens say, hey, you have to represent all of humanity, all the humans on Earth. You're going to determine whether or not we should destroy them or not because we are part of the Galactic Council and blah, 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 blah. This book is, it, it seems like it's kind of wacky. But the parallels of the story of reading about this guy who is the blue flame on Earth in Milwaukee who gets shot and paralyzed or partially paralyzed. And then the blue flame, this same guy out in space trying to represent this and save humanity is is really, really interesting. Like, hmm. I don't want to spoil it too much, but like the whole story of you have to save humanity. And this guy has the same memories as his Earth parallel as the same person is out in space. You're kind of questioning like what's real, what's fake, and what's the point. And you know, if all this bad stuff is happening to this guy on Earth, and we keep reading about all these bad things happening on Earth, why would he want to protect humans out in space? So yeah, I, I think Cantwell and his and everybody working on this book they do a really good job writing this incredibly thin line of like, is this offensive? Is this going too far? Are they asking the right questions without actually being, you know, I guess like kind of rude about folks that have bad things happen to them like i don't know how else to describe it other than that but i think despite a few maybe minor stumbling points um i'm super hooked in i'm ready to read issue six which comes out this week yeah it's it's pretty cool pretty interesting book i fucking vault comics i don't know what it is in the water over there (laughs) i swear every time i pick something up i go huh i never thought that this could have been a comic book (laughs) you know (laughs) Um, and this is another perfect example of that yeah i'm at the point with with vault where a 
almost tried pretty much any number one that they put out. Whether I stick mm-hmm. with it or not is to be seen. I did. I remember reading the first issue of this and liking it for whatever reason, probably budgetary reasons. I didn't end up picking up any more, so I probably grabbed the trade of that. I remember enjoying the hook enough to want to see how it, it resolves, so to, yeah. so to speak. I I don't know how long it's going to be. It doesn't seem like number six is going to be the last issue based okay. on where the story is right now, but we'll see. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah, this sounds really awesome. I um I'm looking for it on Hoopla right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's totally worth. I again, like Paul said, I think it'd probably be worth reading as a collection. I read one through five in a go, and it was like, it's a it's really really well paced. Like Cantwell yeah. does a fantastic job of of making sure the book hits like a really good set of beats without moving too fast or too quick. So, um, finally, I just want to say this really quick um, because I'm eating my own words here tonight. Last week on the show, I said I'll never, ever read that new Donny Cates, Ryan Otley, Frank Martin, (laughs) DC's Corey Petit, Hulk number one. Never. I'll eat my own shoe if it comes down to that. Uh, I think I said something along those lines. And then uh, our good friend Danny, uh, who I mentioned a bit ago in the the Discord, uh, he put a gun to my head and said, Mike, if you don't read this book, um, pulling the trigger. No, Uh, it was... uh, No, he sent me a code. He bought a couple variants for uh, the Hulk book. And so he sent me one of his Marvel Digital Redeem codes. Uh, So I decided, okay, I'll give this book a shot because as much as I want to be a jerk and be like, I'm never reading another Dottie Cates book ever again for no reason. This is there's no excuse. So I sat down. um, I read this book. Uh, It's definitely a really well-drawn Ryan Otley book. Uh, It definitely... I don't know. I went into this book with a lot of preconceived notions about what it could be and what it should be. And I really should just accept that it's a Marvel number one. So it's going to do a lot of Marvel number one things like have a big action sequence, reinterpret a character in a way that seems interesting, but is actually just the same thing that people have been doing for years. It's going to have all of the Marvel superheroes show up for no reason other than the fact that somebody probably wanted to make sure that Doctor Strange and Iron Man and Spider-Man and whoever showed up in the background in some capacity. And yeah, it definitely is a book that recognizes that the Immortal Hulk book happened in the fact that Bruce Banner says, the Hulk is immortal. I am not. To which I was like, okay. Yeah. So ultimately, uh, I was not really into this book that much. Like I, I, it was really cool looking like Ryan Otley draws some of the most interesting uh, action comics that you can buy. I don't care who you are. If you go read some of his Invincible stuff, it's some of the most brutal, kinetic, beautiful word from earlier comics that you can read. But like, do I think I'm going to keep reading this? Probably not. I might pick it up in trade if the story goes somewhere that actually has something that could be beyond just what I expect out of a Marvel book, which is to like play within a very well-defined box with references to things that everyone seems to need to know, but I had no idea about. Yeah, I don't know. I, I really wasn't wasn't into the overall story. I was surprised that it wasn't a 64-page brand new number one with it being Donny Cates, but I'm really not worried about this book continuing by any means. It's a Donny Cates Kate's book. He's prints money basically over at Marvel. So um, I think I will probably check out the uh, <laughs> check out the trade. I'm breaking Danny's heart in our Discord chat right now, and I feel mm-hmm. so bad. I think he actually left. I think he, he really is not <laughs> listening anymore. <laughs> but yeah, I, I I don't know. I it's 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 just to, I feel so so fucked up because how do you go going from a, this this massive run um, by Al Ewing 
um, on Immortal Hulk into a new number one with Hulk. I feel like it's destined for failure uh, no matter who's helming the book. So <laughs> maybe my expectations were too high. I don't really know. But I feel like this happens whenever I pick up like Amazing Spider-Man or I pick up a new Black Panther or I pick up an Immortal Iron Fist. I picked up that Iron Fist book a while ago and it was all the same shit of just like it doesn't feel like you're trying anything new other than perpetuating what this character is. And Donnie Cates' yeah. whole twist on this book stems from this idea that I think a lot of writers have already run with that the Hulk is multiple personalities and Bruce Banner is, you know, just one of them. But to go into that the same way or in, in like a slightly different way and playing with this idea of what if the Hulk was protecting Bruce Banner from us and not the other way around, it is interesting. And that's a mm-hmm. good question. I just felt like the execution wasn't great um i personally am not a fan of madman bruce banner um Hmm. which i think a lot of people are and i had just (sighs) i'm not making excuses (laughs) it's okay okay, i'm not making excuses for this book i'm probably not going to read more until it gets collected then we'll see that's all okay um anyways (laughs) anyways oh we should move on before um I gotta. Uh, sorry, I gotta jump back in. I don't think I understood the assignment here because I did have one more comic I wanted to talk about. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, uh, yeah. Gabe, go ahead, go for it. <laughs> sorry about that. Were you, um, was there other stuff? I, 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 nope, I I'm it. like the guest that's like screwing everything up. I feel really bad about this right now. No, 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 no. go for Fine. it. Jump right into it. Jump right into it. Okay, so the the other thing that I read this week, and it'll relate to our our discussion a little bit later, was I I finally picked up the first trade for something is killing the children. Oh, nice. Yeah. So Boom Studios, James Tinney in the fourth, and uh, I hope I'm saying this correctly, Werther Del Adera. I overall enjoyed this comic. I I didn't know really anything about it, except that it has been critically acclaimed. It's been recommended to me by a couple of people. So um, I had it bookmarked on on Hoopla for a while and, you know, just kind of let it collect dust on the on the digital pile for for probably I don't know. I don't know when it first came out, but I think that I, I bookmarked it when it first came out. So it's been there for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. Um, but overall, I liked it. I'm glad I picked it up. It's I, I, first of all, I love the art. It's dark and scratchy. Has very fine outlines. Uh, the artist, um, again, butchering this name, Deladera. Colors and textures are extremely cool. Facial expressions are great. Subtle when they need to be. Over the top when they need to be. Um, I work with an Italian artist uh, on some of my comics. Uh, to that, uh, the love at first bite and into the wilderness done by an Italian artist named Elisa Menegel. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of recognize that Italian kind of style in it, for <laughs> lack of a better term. And okay. so I, I, I identified with that, and I really, really liked it from that art. Some of the visuals were confusing in the action sequences, but uh, it might have been because I wasn't paying attention closely enough, which is uh, <laughs> sure. something that I do. The main character is really cool. You can definitely tell how much Tinian loves the characters, which is very important. <laughs> and th- it had this cool Western quality to it where it's about a mysterious gunslinger that blows into town and and nobody there, um, nobody there trusts them. But she's the only one that can solve the problem because she kind of lives outside of, of the world that they all live in and, and walks in between the the worlds of um, of normal perceived humanity and the supernatural which is i think is very very cool and I, I think that it was good that it was like uh it was a horror comic and i don't really pick up a lot of horror comics mm-hmm. but it did feel like and i feel like a criticism could legitimately be or um that it basically feels like a superhero comic disguised as a horror comic <laughs> because of all the things that i just mentioned about okay. the main character yeah. 
sure, sure. <laughs> where it's like she's really in charge of everything she's really ahead of everybody she's you know essentially like batman she's incredibly skilled the fighter like all of these things so it's like um, you know, James Tinian, are you really stepping outside of your comfort zone here, <laughs> oh, or snap. are you just writing uh, another another comic, uh, another, another superhero comic? comic? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, this book is critically acclaimed; everyone loves it. Okay, you're not allowed to speak ill of it, Gabe. Oh my god! No, I'm gonna get I'm gonna get a lot of hate for this, but you know, I <laughs> I, I I liked it overall, and okay. I I think I will continue reading it because I enjoyed the mystery of it. And like I said, I mean, I'm I'm down with the the mysterious gunslinger you know lone wolf kind of storyline because i love mm-hmm. westerns and uh, you know obviously i love superhero comics or else i wouldn't be here but um so i'm down with it but it's like you know is a term it like groundbreaking and like extremely unique are these terms i would use not not really good <laughs> and entertaining and engaging like absolutely but uh, this doesn't change comics you know i would right, say gotcha. so if anybody's out there saying that then i i disagree with them gotcha. I, I mean yeah. this is pretty critically acclaimed i should say i mean like but yeah go ahead paul go ahead i was just gonna say uh i have not read this but i've been meaning to mainly because i've really been enjoying tinian's other horror title um the nice house on the lake uh, which is fantastic and does not feel like a superhero story. It's much creepier. The artwork is fantastic. So I would say if you enjoyed this one, maybe maybe check that one out too. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. yeah, definitely. I I like the creepy elements of it. I mean, that's what makes it. You know, that what is what separates it from yeah. a, a superhero comic in mm-hmm. in my mind. Like the the way that he does kind of take it take it to that place that makes your skin crawl or makes you feel uncomfortable reading it, but not want to look away. Like um. Uh, like I, I like those elements about it. I, I'm I'm a pretty big Stephen King fan, so I'm okay. I'm down for that kind of stuff. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, and I think his uh, new series just came out. That's like a sister series to this to this uh, something is killing the children. I think it's called House of Slaughter. I think the first mm-hmm. issue or two is out of that. And I heard that that's supposed to be pretty good as well. So <laughs> I mean, if you do continue reading, at least there's more beyond just the one single storyline, which is pretty exciting. Yeah. But anyways, let's let's move on. Let's talk about comic books that are coming out soon or comic books that we are planning to read very soon. <laughs> What's on the top of your pile this week? I'm going to pitch over to you, Paul. What do you read next? Well, um, I looked what was coming out this week, and this title jumped out at me. It is Batman, the Detective Number 6. This is the final issue of the miniseries written by Tom Taylor with art by Andy Kubert. I think it's Andy, right? Andy does Batman and Adam does Wolverine is that how it works? I, that's how yeah, I remember the two. Just yeah. throw Kubert at it, you know. It's fine. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, no, oh uh, yeah, it is Andy. Um, thanks, Danny. Uh, th- thanks. Yeah, this has been a really fun story. I, I mean, Tom Taylor is a writer I've grown to like more and more. I'm willing to give anything he writes a shot. Sure. And uh, of course, he's writing Batman. Of course, I'm going to enjoy it. I think Andy Kubert is really a great modern Batman artist. You know, he worked on Grant Morrison's Batman. Um, I, he's worked. He worked with Frank Miller on Batman. He really has established himself. <laughs> he is to Batman what his brother Adam is to Wolverine, I guess, at this point. Um, so, yeah, overall, it's a really fun story. It sort of tackles the consequences of Batman's actions. The whole premise is Batman has to go to England to investigate a mysterious group called Equilibrium. It turns out Equilibrium has been, quote unquote, balancing the scales, killing the number to they're murdering people to balance the scales of lives Batman has saved which is kind of an interesting, almost like Silver age kind of villain, you know, premise. Mm-hmm. Um, and Batman gets to team up with his old friends, Knight and Squire. <laughs> Wait, did Morrison write this? Oh, no, Tom <laughs> Taylor wrote this. Never yeah, mind. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, it does have a very sort of interesting balance between being a very serious 
you know, and gritty Batman story at times and also being silly. You know, there's a there's a part where Batman has a giant like semi truck that has a mobile bat cave in it that he's driving around through the streets of London. Hell yeah. And it's pretty great. I mean, <laughs> you can't that's what I want from a Batman comic. So I think it's a fun story. Um I, I have to say I do have a very sort of love, a very niche love for certain Batman stories where it is Batman uh, you know, training to become Batman. When Bruce is training the skills he learning the skills he needs to become Batman, mm-hmm. you know, I love those types of stories. And part of this story is he reunites with his mentor Henri Ducard. Uh, so you know, one of the guys who helped train Bruce to become Batman, who knows Bruce really well. That's a very particular type of Batman story I really like. So I was excited to see him tackle that in this this mini series. So if you're looking for a good standalone Batman story, I think once this is collected, might. Be a good one to check out. Is this the Knight and Squire from the uh, from the 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 Batman Incorporated run, or is that just all all washed away in the retcon that is that is the ever flowing river of comics? <laughs> sort of. <laughs> uh, that Knight is gone, so that Squire is now become Knight, and they have a new okay. Squire. So it's kind of kind of the same team, similar to like you know Robin becoming Batman for a while. So mm. yeah, gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, well, Gabe, what about you? What are what are you reading next, or what are you excited for next from your to read pile? Uh, so I'm excited, uh, and I'm going to be reading next uh, White Ash, which is from Scout Comics, written by Charlie Stickney and uh, art by Connor Hughes, and colors by Finn Crab. Um, this is one of the best indie comics from one of the best small press publishers from one of the best indie comic writers <laughs> on Kickstarter, Charlie Stickney. Um, just really, really a great book if you're into into fantasy uh, adventure it's also got um you know i wouldn't call it ya um but it's uh it's about uh, a character that is uh that is in their late teens early 20s kind of learning who they are um not necessarily coming of age but certainly a an, a better understanding of the secrets of their of the of their origins charlie stickney is a friend of mine uh i i hope he is not listening right now because he might find out that i have I'm not completely caught up on his book, even though I really like it. <laughs> oh my god! And despite backing it on Kickstarter, <laughs> but like it, it is on my list of things that I I need to to read. And so, um, mm-hmm. hopefully, talking about it here will motivate me to finally to finally get caught up on it. Um, the the trade paperback finally dropped on Hoopla, so I'm excited to get back into it. it it's it's just a really cool uh, modern fantasy book, which. I think is really clever and original and, um, and has a big, a big cast and is, is set against a, a large background of, you know, very full and complete and thought out and, and, uh, and all those kinds of things world. So if you're looking for a gateway into indie comics, um, into the community, or if you just love fantasy comics, I, I do recommend checking out this, this book. Very cool. Sure. Very cool. Well, now I mean, you've convinced me to at least give it a try. I'm always, I'm always so hesitant uh, with Scout Comics, and I don't know why. If only because I feel like they put out so many comics. I'm just like, how? How is yeah. that possible? <laughs> yeah. It <laughs> is. It, about- they're very impressive. I, yeah. I would say. Yeah. Well, maybe I'll give this one a shot, and I'll dive right into the Scout Comics backlog of comics, where I know that there is a a shitload of comics ready yes. for me. I think it's kind of the same. I mean, you mentioned Vault earlier. I think it's kind of the same thing where it's just it's very impressive how much good stuff they're putting out. Right, 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 right. Uh, well, I, like I said, I'll give this one a shot. Um, why not? Uh, anyways, let's let's move on real quick. I got a I, 
I'll I'll get into my pick. But before I get into that, I want to shout out our buddy Danny who's hanging out with us. Uh, you know, if you come and join us listening live, uh, whenever we record this show, you can also get your pick shouted out on the show. Danny is reading Wonder Woman Historia, the Amazon's number one. There's, what I don't even know what this Wonder Woman Historia thing is. Maybe someone will have to tell me in the break. But for me this week, my pick is Human Target number two. This is the, the Tom King, Greg Smallwood book that looks really, 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 really cool. Whether or not the story is going to be there, we'll see with number two. Uh, I really liked number one overall. I thought it was a beautiful looking book. I think the entire comics Twitter uh, internet that I'm on also loved the look of this book. Uh, and the twist at the end is pretty fun. I think uh, a big whodunit sounds like a really fun book in the DC universe. So I'm excited to see where Tom King and Greg Smallwood take us. The question is, can Tom King do what Ed Brubaker does in his sleep. That's what I think everyone out there is asking. <laughs> so, <laughs> which is tell a good mystery crime book. So uh, we'll see. Uh, but, but until then, we'll, we'll talk about this maybe a little bit more in the break. But when we come back, we're going to be talking about how we hoist comics from our backlog. We're going to take a break here. I've got a whole list of comics <laughs> that I'm very ashamed that I haven't read yet that I listed today. So get ready for that. But we're going to take a break and we'll be back in just a second. This week on I Read Comic Books, we're asking the question, how do you hoist comics from your backlog so that you finally, finally can get around to reading them? I know that I'm I'm terrible about this as someone who collects a lot of digital comics like a madman whenever there's a sale, such as this weekend um, during Black Friday and stuff. But um, I'm curious, you know, Gabe, Paul, uh, when you guys are thinking about comics in your backlog, mm -hmm. what is it that drives you to finally say, you know what, I'm sitting down, I'm finally reading East of West, I don't care what anyone says, or whatever the comic may be. Uh, what, what's one that you care read? that it's a thousand pages long. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like, no, but what goes through your head when you're just like, you know, what? I'm finally going to read this book? Um, like, what makes you finally say, I'm going to sit down and do this? Um, I don't know. And what's one that you've done that with that recently? Uh, I guess I'll, I'll pitch over to you first, Gabe. Um, well, the one that I did that recently with was something is killing the children. Um, it's okay. been like, I, like I said, it's been sitting in my in my pile for a while. I, I, I read I haven't read a lot of uh, JT4. I, I read Batman Eternal. I read Batman and Robin Eternal and I wasn't like bowled over in love with them. Uh -huh. um, so it's been I've heard that it's good. Um, I, I saw a sample of the art and I was into it. And, uh, you know, I'm I'm into just finding those indie comic books that, you know, the number one starts it starts the story anew and, and just jumping into a world um, without knowing anything. I, I love doing that. But, you know, I just I was hesitant with with James Tini and the fourth. I, I just the things that I'd read, I, I wasn't in love with. And I and the other part of it is that I don't seek out horror comics. Um, right, I right. have <laughs> read ones that I liked for for sure. But like, um, but it's just it's not my it's not my main thing that I do. So um, coming on this podcast, you know, talking about that we were going to talk about this topic ahead of time kind of forced me to read this one in particular. And now, as I as I said, the same thing with White Ash, where I've I've been putting off getting caught up on that. It's an amazing book. Charlie's a great guy. He's helped me with some of my Kickstarter stuff personally. And um, and so I've just been I just need a reason like saying it on a podcast to, to get caught up to uh, <laughs> get caught up to, to where I left off from I gotcha. where I left off. No, that totally makes sense. Yeah. Uh, what about you, Paul? Is there any book in particular that, that you've like finally put your foot down and said you're going to read? Well, yeah, again, uh, like Gabe said, the uh, main impetus to do it was uh, 
the deadline for this this episode since this was the topic. <laughs> so the the best way to get through your backlog of comics is to co-host a podcast and be forced to talk about them. Okay. Um, okay. No, I like I recently moved to a new apartment, so a lot of that was going through my long boxes, trying to pare down my collection, mm, uh, mm. finding stuff I had forgot I had, or finding stuff that I've been meaning to read for a while. So the physical presence of this stuff definitely helps. I'm sure I have like a massive collection of digital comics that I've not read that I bought and I'll probably never get to cause it's out of sight, out of mind, mm-hmm, but actually mm-hmm. having the physical comics sort of sitting there taunting you that you haven't gotten to them yet is the best, uh, best motivation to read them. So as I was going through myself, I found the six issue miniseries, uh, Annihilator written by Grant Morrison art by Fraser Irving came out way back in 2015 published huh. by legendary, and I had all the single issues. I think it took me a while to track them all down because uh, Legendary is not a major publisher. It's of a weird uh, offshoot of the film studio Legendary, which is a whole other discussion I was, maybe. Oh, I was just going to ask, yeah. what the hell? Um, so it did take me a while to find all the six issues. And of course, by the time I got all six, I had moved on to other stuff. So I finally sat down to read them. And it's really fucking good. I mean, come on. It's Grant Morrison <laughs> and Fraser Irving. Right, right. It's a really fucking good comic. I'm glad I finally made time to read it. I'm kicking myself for not reading it sooner. But now that it's in my uh, in my uh, wheelhouse of stuff I've read, I might go back and actually reread it to pick apart all the little the details and stuff. So I think, uh, long story short, I think having the comics there staring at you every day is the best motivation to finally sit down and read them. I, <laughs> I just did a quick Google search of this book. And of course, when you search legendary comic, it comes, or excuse me, we search Annihilator comic, right. it comes up with the legendary like film studio website, but they have a whole comic section. I My mind is like breaking because like I forgot that this is a thing. In my yeah. mind, I'm just like, oh yeah, legendary, that's an offshoot of Archaea comics or something. Like some, no, no, some yeah. random publisher, but no, 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 it's legendary, the film production company. Because when you go to their website, the first thing you see is Dune. Like what yeah. the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> and as, as far as I know, they've mainly published adaptations or spinoffs of IP that they own. I think this sure. is one of the few original series they did this is around the time morrison was i think talking about doing some film work i know that they were had written a screenplay at one point mm. that was sitting in production hell for years uh so it's probably why they had a connection to legendary but uh, i do think this is actually i mean i know this is sort of off topic but this is one of the better grant morrison creator owned books that i've read i think huh. it's a great story it plays with Meditech's the, the premise is that it follows a screenwriter who's trying to write a sci-fi epic, and then the main character from the book shows up at the guy's front door Hell and yeah. has, it tells him, like, I forgot how the story okay. goes. You have to write it for me to help me remember. The whole There's a parallel story between the guy having – the screenwriter having cancer or brain cancer and the story he's writing being about uh, a creative person that's locked, <laughs> locked in a prison spaceship that's circling a black hole at the center of the universe – it's high Hell concept yes. in a way that I want from Morrison. It's also very funny at times. And again, mm-hmm. it's Fraser mm-hmm. Irving doing the artwork and it it looks absolutely amazing. So um, thanks for reminding me that this book exists by making me look through my backlist. <laughs> well, comics, I mean, so. I, I just want to say other legendary books that we all could dive in on really <laughs> sure. quick here. Um, the The Great Wall, uh, you know, that mm-hmm. that movie. Uh, also has a comic uh, <laughs> trick or our treat trick or treat. The series has, oh, right, okay. has movies right, and right. Uh, there's a bunch of Godzilla books and King Kong books, which makes sense. But then there is a child, like what looks like a children's book called Kong and me featuring a giant <laughs> 
King Kong and a small little girl. Uh, I don't know why some of these are being published. This is this is absurd. And like of <laughs> all of them, like there's only a handful that even look remotely attractive that I would want to check out. Particularly <laughs> Annihilator, maybe <laughs> maybe some of the Pacific Rim comics because sure. I think Pacific Rim in, in concept is an interesting idea. But yeah. anyway, so now you've created a new backlog for me, Paul. Oh, no. How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> That'll be the next, yeah, the next Patreon series will be us reading the uh, legendary <laughs> channel. Le- so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and let's play with the idea that this is all part of a shared universe too. Like, let's <laughs> even better. let's lean into that. <laughs> well, that's that's really interesting. I mean, you know, it's it's funny because like I I find myself constantly telling myself, telling me, Mike, saying, mm-hmm. hey me mike uh you need to read more of your backlog like you backed all these comics on kickstarter you've backed you know you bought all these digital comics in a sale or somebody said that you should read this thing a while ago and you told them yeah and then never read it and so i always find myself just like randomly going through my either my bookshelf or my digital list of books that i have in like a dropbox folder from kickstarter or just my backlog on kindle i'm what i'm not trying to brag or flex that i've got a bunch of comics i'm irresponsible you guys right um is what i'm saying (laughs) And so every once in a while, I'll just randomly pick up a series and be like, I'm reading all this. Like, that's what happened to me recently with Mega Hex. I was like, you know what? The Simon Hanselman books, those they're pretty darn funny. And I feel like I had a good time when I read them in the sense that I I enjoy laughing at people making terrible, constantly bad mistakes. Yes. And so I read all of the Mega Hex books. Right. And, you know, this is Simon Hanselman's just like strip comic that gets collected from zines and online publishing. And, you know, they you know, they publish things all over everywhere. And then Fantagraphics collects them all into these books that kind of represent a chunk of time um, in which Hanselman was publishing them. And they are just awful like in terms of people (laughs) like the books themselves are very funny i find Mm -hmm. the humor to be crass and really dark and just like super edgy like hanselman is clearly trying to push the limits of like what they think they're comfortable with what they think Mm -hmm. readers are comfortable with and just like being true to the awful horrible decisions and chaotic decisions that megan mogg this witch and this cat make with their friend werewolf jones and owl (laughs) like and like I'm not giving any descriptor of this book, but I promise you, if you read this, you will either love it or hate it in a way that you've never hated a comic before. <laughs> there is there is no middle ground on these right. books. And I really have to appreciate that Tia turned me on to these books a long time ago. And she was like, they're so funny. And then I read it and I was like, am, am I allowed to think some of this stuff is funny? Because like it's really, really dark. <laughs> it's, yeah. Um, but yeah, I read through all of them. And it wow. just so happened that Hanselman published their, their latest book, um, crisis zone which was the quarantine comics a version of of <laughs> megan mogg where mm-hmm. you're going to watch these characters who have been clearly making bad decisions with drugs and personal decisions and all this other stuff during the time of covid <laughs> which mm-hmm. like how much darker can you get like in a contextual modern day sense so it's it's really interesting to, to read through all of these books i still haven't read all of crisis zone if only because i'm kind of savoring it yeah but maybe that says a lot about who i am that i would want to save for a book <laughs> like this but i i really enjoy it and it's like i i get this inclination in my head to just dig into them like dig into a series to just be like fuck it i'm reading all of this as kind of like if only it kind of like a way that I was filling a gap that I had when I was reading all of one piece last year. Mm-hmm. So like one piece being a thousand chapters now, you know, to read all of that in a year is like, you got, you're reading like a hundred pages, a hundred chapters a month. Right. And that's mm-hmm. 20 to 14 to 20 pages per chapter. I mean, like you start to math that out. It's like, Holy shit, you're reading a lot of comics. And when you stop doing that, 
<laughs> suddenly there is a hole in your life where you're like, <laughs> what do I fill my time with? You know? So I've been, I've been slowly but surely getting through my backlog, but I still, you know, every time I feel like I knock a couple books out, like six more fill their places, I'm reminded, right. oh yeah, I backed that thing, or I've got this series, or I've been sitting on this run. So yeah, I don't know. It's 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 a tough thing to 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 grapple with, I think sometimes. Yeah, I mean the the backlog just gets bigger and bigger. That's the problem is that mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. you can never make a big dent in it because something else is always going to catch your eye and end up in there. And again, I didn't even try to look at my digital collection. I'm sure if I pulled up my Comicsology account and looked at the books that I bought years ago and never got to, it'd be even more depressing. So mm-hmm. I just try to focus mm-hmm. on the physical books I see every day when I'm walking around to, you know my apartment and look at the bookshelves that that are taunting me. So Yeah. And, and you're right when when something you finish something that you really loved and it just leaves a hole in your heart and you're like, mm-hmm. I wish I could have more of that thing. And I just don't feel like picking up this new thing is going to be what gets it there. So they mm-hmm. so they end up just sitting there, you know, like unread for years. And then you finally read it and you're like, oh, man, like I really should have read sweet tooth earlier because i really really liked it or um or things like that i mean that that was one of the most recent ones that i just like had been putting off for so long and then just devoured when i started reading it Mm -hmm. you know it's do you feel like it's it's because you've been burned by so many bad ones or do you feel like it is just the the challenge of starting because i mean uh i'd be interested to hear what you guys uh feel kind of either way i i think for me it's more the being in the right mind frame you know, I'm, there's a lot of books that I know are acclaimed or, you know, would require a lot of attention that maybe I just don't have at that moment. You know, it took me a long time. Mm-hmm. I only recently started reading, you know, Sandman, couple, like I think last year, because again, it's such a daunting, you know, titan in Absolutely, comics yeah. history. It's like, I have to make sure I'm giving it the right attention. I'm mm-hmm, in the right mind mm-hmm. frame. I still haven't read all of it because, you know, it's a it's a lot to deal with. But when I was trying to read it, you know, I think I made it to the first five collections or so. It was a it felt like a daunting task. I'm glad I finally did it. But again, in my mind, it was built up to this big, big thing that I needed to uh, dedicate myself to. So that can be overwhelming at times. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> uh, I was I was going to make a really a really bad joke about well, Paul only reads stuff before the movie comes out so that he can be that guy. <laughs> That's right. Uh, <laughs> oh, I definitely do that. Yeah, yeah. No, well, that, that, so and that was going to be the thing that I was going to say. You know, like I I feel intimidated by books. I definitely agree with that. Where it's sometimes you're like, I can't just flippantly read this thing, right? Like Die is the perfect example of of a book where I was like, yeah, I'll read it month to month, and then as soon as I got over the first arc and a half, I was like. I don't I don't think I'm actually grasping what the theme of this story is, right? Like Absolutely. I can already tell that I'm like getting overwhelmed and that like I'm not picking things up that I should month to month, losing character threads and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, I get intimidated by books sometimes and I'll just go, well, fuck it. I'll buy it until it it ends, even if it's bad, <laughs> and just so that I can read all of it. You know, and I, I could name a handful of books that I bought all of them and went, why? Why did I keep reading? You know, why did I keep buying that? And it was because I wanted to collect them all and actually read them in a go. But like Die, for instance, was really interesting in that I don't think that I could have read it even arc by arc i had to have read the whole book in a sitting which like let's take a step back and argue about the whole should this be a graphic novel or a serialized comic kind of thing but but even then it was like die i read the first arc and then i was like okay this is a lot and the second arc came out and i I read all of it again it's like i can't keep doing i can't keep reading you know the entire series every time another six issues comes out so i just waited until the end i had the exact same experience with die where i i i was like the second trade paperback dropped and i was like all right cool and i started to read it and i'm like 
oh, I have no idea what happened in the first one. Like, <laughs> like I, I just yeah. like completely forgotten it. I got like one issue too, and I was like, okay, I'll you know I'll pick it up. I'll remember what happened. I was like, oh, I have no idea what's going on. And then yeah. you know I had to reread the first one, and then reread the second one, and then and then you know waiting another six months or whatever for the next one. I was like, oh, this this is not a good idea. I just have to wait until this is all this is all finished. Yeah. And I mean, and I, and I don't think that this is us and like knocking Kieran Gillen and Stephanie Hans by any means. I think this no, is like no. that particular story required a level of attention to detail that you don't get by reading month to month or even arc to arc sometimes, <laughs> um, especially with it only being four volumes long and only being so many issues long. Like, it's not bad to say, like, yeah, I'm going to just not read it until it comes out because I like what I read already and I know that the rest is going to be good. Even if the end of, you know, some books, I'm not saying this one, but some books are maybe not as great as you would want. You still would want to, you know, at least read it all in one go so that you can get a full grasp on the story. So I totally get that. Yeah. And it's the same reason, you know, that happened to me with Die, and it's the same reason I haven't picked up Gideon Falls yet. And I, I know because I read the first issue and I liked it mm-hmm. and I know it's done and I just... I haven't been able to go back to it because I, I do want to read it all in one sitting. And I, I'm yeah. a big Jeff Lemire fan. So I'm, I, you know, yeah. I've already, this is the second book I've mentioned of his in the last five minutes, but <laughs> right, 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 right. So I, um, yeah, I just, I need to go back. I, I want to read it all in one go. And I, I, you know, I, there's, I know that there's, there's always going to be debates within the community, which, which is better to do it. Is it, you know, read it by, uh, by the, by the floppies. Is it wait till it's all done? You know, it's, <laughs> but I'm, I'm just that person and I can't help it. Yeah, I'm in. I mean, there's no shame. However, you're reading comics like doesn't doesn't matter because you're reading comics, right? Like our group is so small. (laughs) This group of people who are reading comics is so small in comparison to pretty much anything else out there. Like, (laughs) unless you're reading it on your phone, in which case you're a garbage person. (laughs) I'm kidding. (laughs) No, but I no, but I understand what you mean. Like, it's it's tough because like some books I would never imagine not reading month to month, right? Yeah. Um, like Immortal Hulk, I kept up with the entire time. Like, is that a is that a the way that Marvel tells stories, the way Al Ewing tells stories, or is it just like that story's so memorable compared to like uh wasted space right like i just finished that because the last issue came out and i told myself it's coming to an end i stopped at like issue 12 or 15 or something i was like i'm just gonna read it all i like what i've read so far i just couldn't keep up every week and i i wonder why that is i don't know if we there's an answer to it but i'm (laughs) like some books i can totally keep up with their complicated plots and some books i just can't depending you know maybe that's just the time that i read it the, the the feeling that i was feeling or something but yeah it's really it's really bizarre yeah do you think maybe it's like because you um like if you're a fan of of just the marvel world in general you're a fan of the characters you can kind of keep that kind of you can keep the the context going in your head mm. um, over yeah. those those periods that you're waiting for it as opposed to just reading it over a weekend or something like that. Yeah, you know, that that's a really good point, because I think when it comes to big two characters, there is like a shorthand from them just being alive you know them just being a character you're like the hulk is going to be this batman is always yeah. going to be this superman's always going to be this and if there are tweaks to that character you're almost going to remember them even more because yeah. like it yeah. differs from the norm right i don't know maybe paul you probably read a little bit more elseworld stuff in the dc universe than i do so mm-hmm. i don't know is that is that true to to your thoughts yeah i mean the I guess my 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 uh, comparison would be like I'm always going to be reading a Batman comic. Like I'm always going to be reading the main Batman <laughs> title. You know what I mean? Right, yeah, yeah, month right. to month, and you know things like Elseworlds or other like the miniseries I mentioned earlier. Like yeah, I'd be, I probably would have been happy just reading Batman the Detective that Tom Taylor and uh, Andy Kubert series as a standalone trade down the road. But 
I don't, I like buying Batman comics physically week to week, month to month. So it's just mm-hmm. something I've always mm-hmm. done um, without really thinking that much about it. So I don't know if that really answered your question, but that's the thing, thing I thought of. No, no, like, no, yeah. Like I, I'm always going to be reading, I'll dip in and out of detective or if there's other Batman series, but the main Batman title I've kind of like always been buying since I've been back reading comics for the past decade or so. So just mm-hmm. it's like a constant mm-hmm. in my in my mind. I might let issues pile up, but it's never going to be a huge backlog for me. It's something I'm. That's my wavelength. Like that's that's kind of what keeps me afloat is Batman comics for better right. or worse. You know. I mean, so. I'm I'm the same way with X Men comics. Sure. So yeah. like I get that. <laughs> yeah, and I think again that's the idea of being in the right mood speaks a lot to that because like I'm kind of always going to be in the mood to be reading. Batman comics. You know what I mean? It's it's like a constant for better, for worse. They don't change very much. Even when creative teams change, you might have a few interesting ideas here or there, but it is like a constant sort of, you know, through line that you can be reading and be in tune with when there's something that is a little bit more, I don't know, complex or something a little more emotionally engaging. It can be tough to kind of make the right amount of time for it give it the attention it deserves. You know, like what's, what's that like? You know, wanting to read the, your favorite comics every every month because I X Men X Men throws me for a, 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 the ringer every wow. every month. <laughs> that might speak more to the X Men than anything else. So, uh, no, yeah. no, it doesn't, <laughs> Paul. <laughs> well, I think that there's and the thing about X Men and 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 Batman for sure, and and you can correct me if I'm wrong about this, Mike. About X Men is like there's because there's a couple of titles going because there's a couple of Else Worlds or or whatever. There's there's always something that you know if something doesn't quite go. Like you, you, you lose interest in one arc or you're, you don't like the way an artist is doing X, Y, or Z. And there's always another book that you can kind of jump into or, mm-hmm. or maybe pay more attention to and then just come back to the other one when that creative team leaves or, or things change or, you know, you read some reviews and it's like, oh, this, this story is really turned around. It's worth reading. Where something like, um, like, like I, I kind of fell off of reading Green Arrow Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. monthlies a like, number of years ago because it it came up against a couple of creative teams that I just really didn't like and I was just <laughs> like well like this is the only game in town for Green Arrow for this character mm-hmm. and um right. and and as soon as like it got through three or four arcs three or four creative teams that I was just like this is this is not doing it for me like this is uh this is not good like mm-hmm. and I won't say which ones they were but um but I, I was just like yeah I'm I'm out like and and I haven't really picked that up again of, of reading it monthly. And that was one of the last ones that I was kind of reading monthly. Mm. Yeah, it's 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 tough. I mean, like, yeah, to your point, the X-Men will always be coming out. Batman will always be coming out. There's always going to be something. If you don't like it now, you can always come back to. But like the question is, it does come down to is like, are you going to go back to try to bring it back to our topic? Are you going to go back and reread all those now that they're all out? Maybe you can get them on Marvel Unlimited or you can get them on Hoopla um, where you don't have to necessarily like wait month to month to continue this story arc that you don't like or this interpretation or this artist that you don't care for. Yeah, because there's still everything is still piling up. So it's like, you know, you put it down and then things, you know, things spring up and in its absence. And then it's like, okay, you're going to go pick that one up again because somebody told you that it's good or like, or you feel like it's essential to to something that's coming up, or like mm-hmm. I don't know if you're a completist or something like that. It's right, yeah. It's 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 hard. It's hard being a comic fan, guys. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> comics are like mail, man. They come they come every week, and you're just like, what's happening? Stop, slow down for a second, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and on top of that, I mean, you have you know whatever 
80, 70, 80 years worth of backlog in terms of historic characters. If you want to go back and be reading a bunch of old Batman comics or a bunch of old X-Men yeah. comics, yeah. that's all there too for you, like waiting, taunting you that you haven't read it yet. So yeah. right. I mean, I kind of- And the independent stuff too. Like I just recently read through the Ink Hall because like- Oh, right. I, oh, right, right. Like, oh, yeah, you have to read it. You have to read it. And it's like, oh man, like <laughs> this is a book from, from the 70s. Like, yeah. Jesus, I have so much to catch up on. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to add that one to my queue. I forgot about that one. I still have to read it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I was thinking about that last summer when I was reading. I was reading so much Judge Dredd last summer. I got almost burned out on it, but I was reading all the old <laughs> you know, uh, collections from the uh-huh. 70s and 80s. And it's like, mm-hmm. they're great if you just want to binge stuff. But after a while, it's like, I need to take a break. So now I'm finally, I think I'm back. I can go back and start Complete Case Files number 11. I think that's where I left off. So I can go back to go back to uh, my 80s Judge Dredd and see if it's still as great as I remember at this point. But I just need a little break, you know? Yeah, to catch my breath. I, th- that's that's a whole other side of this that I didn't even consider for today was going back and reading, you know, 40, 50, 60, 70 years worth of old comics. I mean, God help you if you want to go back and read those old Valiant comics from the 90s or Cyber Force <laughs> or whatever Image was doing back in the day. But like on top of that, you know, like, you know, Gabe, like you were saying, like the Incall, like these independent comics that are like truly like monumental things that changed some comics in, in a capacity. There's a lot of that stuff that's out there if you wanted to be a quote unquote completionist in some way and just like say, I'm going to read everything from this decade, like, good luck. Like, you're never going to be able to read a modern comic because you're going to be, you know, <laughs> backfilled with all this stuff. On, you know, on top of these greats like Sandman or Saga of Swamp Thing or maybe yeah. Dean Call or Watchmen, v-, v for Vendetta. I mean, you start to list a bunch of names. We're already talking like hundreds and hundreds of pages of comics. And then we're like, no, and then get into the nitty gritty of like all the X-Men books that were coming out, all the Spider-Man, all the Batman, all yeah, the DC, absolutely. you know, every Superman comic, like for just three years you would you could have multiple years worth of you know reading for you yeah so yeah that's that's i i will never do that i'm just gonna say that right here and now on the show um i will never be that person because i started in 2000 and tried to do that and it was like sure. no that's not even possible so yeah, yeah let the past die kill it if you have to <laughs> exactly there it is <laughs> yes. and i think you know we we kind of joked about it but sometimes being a comic book fan can feel feel daunting especially you're talking about legacy characters it's like do i really need to read all 45 years worth of judge dread stories to i mean to to enjoy current judge dread stories like no Mm -hmm. but sometimes you feel that weight that you want to do it you know you feel Mm -hmm. like it's almost like a challenge like you know i tried to read a bunch of old x-men stuff and you know i kind of burned myself out but Mm -hmm. sometimes that happens and I, i feel it's easy to kind of feel like that pressure to want to do that even though it's not necessary you know you don't really need to read every batman story you know to yeah. enjoy you know current ones so you know and i some think of like because i have gone back and read some of the the silver age batman and yeah. it is some of it is a slog oh where yeah it's like <laughs> Ooh, this oh is, yeah this is weird he's fighting pirates in space or like <laughs> you know somebody is like you know even like they have a lot of these now like polka dot man and yeah. um and kite man have all been yeah. kind of brought back up and and you know look how ridiculous they are but like those <laughs> are the ones that like made it there's other ridiculous ones that oh, are yeah. there's no way you could possibly do this because it's so ridiculous yeah 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 so i, I think if if that's kind of your hang up is you feeling the the pressure to read all the old stuff you maybe don't have to maybe you can skip around a little bit (laughs) and find the stuff you like so yeah Yeah. but i mean from uh from a positive side of it from you know looking at it at a different lens it's like it is one of the things where there's there's something out there for everybody you know there's so much comic stuff out there so when somebody says that you know they're they're or, or you're trying to encourage somebody to just get into comics 
or um, maybe they they liked it when they were younger and haven't returned back to it. Like there's always something out there that can hook them. Yeah, it's hard to find because it's just an ocean of of content. Sure. But you know, from a positive angle of it, you know, if somebody says like, you know, I'm not I'm not really into comics, it's like, well, you know, really, it, it's just you haven't found that one that is going to get you into it because there oh, yeah. there is so much great stuff out there. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, I had the experience recently of talking to somebody who doesn't read a lot of comics, but has been watching the Doom Patrol series on HBO. And I said, well, guess what? There's tons of Doom Patrol comics and they're all mm-hmm. pretty great. So that, you know, mm-hmm. there's a whole world to explore. And it kind of reminded me that I read, you know, a handful of the old 60s Doom Patrol, but I never finished that run. So I'm ex- inspired now to go back and finish all the 60s Doom Patrol, you know, mm-hmm. having read all the other stuff. So yeah, there the overwhelmingness of uh, comic books can be a positive, like you said, like you said, yeah. Gabe. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to just make sure that you ended that conversation with, and then you can listen to the podcast that me and Mike recorded on Patreon, <laughs> yes. right? Like, okay. Mike and Paul read Doom Patrol. Yes, yes. Um, well, I guess to, to wrap up here, um, are there any books that you guys have? I realize we kind of got away from the backlog thing, but that's totally fine. Yeah. Are there any books that are on your backlog that you're like, you've recently recently hoisted to the top that you're like, I'm definitely reading this next. Like after, you know, my weekly books or whatever books I'm regularly reading, like this is the series that I'm going to try to spend a little extra time on to just read it and say that I did it. I have two actually. So um, okay. having read Annihilator, I also remembered that I have the first two volumes of Zenith, which is the 2000 AD comic that Grant Morrison wrote back in the 80s. Um, I have those on my bookshelf. They've been sitting there for years. And again, it's Graham Morrison's my favorite writer. So it's embarrassing that I haven't read their first published work for 2000 mm-hmm. AD. Mm-hmm. But it's like, again, the thing where I want to make sure I'm in the right mind frame to really absorb it and appreciate it. It's probably not the polished Morrison that I like. You know, it's his, it's their first work. So it might be a little rough. But I'm, I'm going to take that that plunge. I'm going to start reading Zenith finally. And then sitting awesome. right next to my Zenith books is that giant fucking phone book collection of stray bullets that i bought oh my years God. ago <laughs> did you buy a placard to read that as well like jesus i mean i i've read i've read a few arcs of stray bullets over the years i really like dave lapham as a creator mm-hmm. that is a ta- uh that is an iconic independently published book if you're going to talk yeah. about you know classic 80s or 90s black and white indies Stray Bullets is right up there. So yeah, but the thing is that that book is so, it looks like a phone book on my shelf. And it's just so <laughs> daunting. I'm finally going to yeah. do it. I think I have to find a comfortable chair and table to put it on. I can't sit uh-huh. it with it on my lap, but right. I'm going to have to find the right mind frame, right uh, setting for it to finally tackle that bad boy. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, Gabe, what about you? Any other books that you you know that you've got off the top of your head that you want to you wanna hoist from your backlog? Well, um, this co- uh, this podcast has reminded me about Die, so I'm definitely <laughs> going to jump into that one. Yes. Um, that that one is is done, right? This, their series is done. Yeah, the fourth volume just dropped. I want to say a couple weeks back, so it's it's all done. Okay, great. I'm definitely going to jump into that one. Gideon Falls, another one that I mentioned, has mm-hmm. been done for a while that I want to jump into. I, I I do love Jeff Lemire. White Ash, the one that I mentioned, I will continue reading. Something is is killing the children, and until mm-hmm. you know, I don't think it's ending yet. I think it might be continuing for mm-hmm. a while. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll keep reading it until it ends or until it gets bad. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and then the other one that's been sitting on my shelf for a while uh, is the the Chip Zdarsky Daredevil run. Mm. Ooh, um, so, good. so I'm I'm a big fan of Chip Zdarsky. I I loved Sex Criminals. I loved it so much, and mm-hmm. I'm a big Daredevil guy. I mean. Something that I, I've certainly gotten into since the TV show has come out. Um, kind of a, a new fan of Daredevil, kind of in mm. in relation to to a lot of other things. But I loved, uh, yeah, like I said, I love Zdarsky. I loved. I actually really liked Bendis's take on on Daredevil as a character. So I I, yeah. I 
I'm looking forward to jumping back into the character and I, I nice. should, I've been meaning to do it for a while and it's time to do it. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, I, I, I feel like some of the options that I have in my queue are, are promises to people that I, I feel like I'm still going to break because like while they are higher <laughs> in the queue, I may not get to them, but I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to reading. I'm finally, I think going to sit down and read all of deadly class. I think it's going to happen. That's like, I think beginning of next year, I'm just deadly class is going to be my big one for the year. Um, the other thing I'm, I'm looking forward to actually reading is uh, Sithra, which is a, a Indiegogo slash Kickstarter series. Like that started on Indiegogo, moved to Kickstarter. And this is before Comicsgate by a long shot. Mm-hmm. So this isn't like me subtly admitting that I'm backing, you know, it's, it, it's been this guy, uh, Jason Brubaker, and he's done, he did like six or seven volumes of this. And I read the first and I was like, yeah, this is good. And then I just kept backing them like in physical hardcover editions. So I have them all sitting <laughs> on my shelf and I haven't read anything beyond volume one. So fingers crossed that it was good. But I mean, I, you know, a lot of people help support it. So I think uh, that that's a good sign in my case, but I'm um, looking forward to actually reading that. And then I do want to read this manga series that I bought all of the volumes of, and I read the first four, and then I never continued of again. Uh, this is by the uh, one of the people who was behind uh, the series, Yuri on Ice, if you've seen that anime series. Um, it's a very cute, romantic, slightly sexy story about uh, these ice skaters. Uh, it's, it's a whole thing. So look up Yuri on Ice. It's pretty good. Um, but they they before they did that, anime they did uh, this series called again about a kid who falls down some stairs and travels back in time in high school and gets to relive his high school in order to not be this brooding awful character and actually maybe make something of himself that is not so negative and bad but it's pretty cute kind of funny um so i'm looking forward to doing reading that as well plus there's like a shitload of other things i think i listed like 12 books in here so like my bookshelf <laughs> and my digital collection is just overflowing like and i've already yeah. tapped into things like vinland saga i've been slowly reading that book is still coming out but man probably one of the coolest most action-packed manga you can read that doesn't feel like your typical shonen book it's it's really really good but yeah this i could i could go on but yeah lots of stuff to read this year and i'm deadly class is the only one that our, our friend simon listens to the show i'm gonna break his heart if i don't actually fall through on this one so uh, <laughs> i definitely need to get to it eventually and get over my 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 misaligned beef with rick remender that i apparently have in my head so yeah, I, I, you know, Gabe, Paul, thank you guys for doing this episode with me. This is a lot of fun. Hopefully, this is encourage all encourages all of us to read a lot more backlog comics and not just get you know stick to our weeklies as I think a lot of us are want to do. So um, I'm I look forward to hearing from both of you about what you've picked up from your backlog, whether we followed through on our promises today or not. <laughs> regardless, I respect both of you. Um, <laughs> so um, I guess to to wrap things up, Gabe, where can people find you on the internet if they want to hear more about what other comics you've been? reading the other stuff you've got going on and the comics you're going to be putting out starting next year uh yeah um uh you can go to gabechangcomics.com which is where you can uh, see previews of the comics that i have out and i'll be putting up a preview of my next comic up there pretty soon but uh, my the first chapter of my comic for molly is up there for free you can check it out um and the the other issues the other remaining three issues are going to be available online um i'm about to do the fulfillment on the fourth issue um, so that will be available for, uh, the Kickstarter fulfillment uh, in the next couple of weeks, like I said. So um, that will be available online pretty soon. And that is my my first complete uh, story comic book four part limited series. So thank you very much. I'm, I'm very excited. Um, and uh, you can also um, follow me on Instagram at Gabe Chang Comics. Same on Twitter at Gabe Chang Comics. Um, and my podcast, uh, Another Lousy Millennium, which is a Futurama <laughs> pan- fan podcast, which Mike, I believe you were 
you were on for an episode yes correct? Yes. Yeah. yes i was we did a crossover a while ago that that podcast is coming to an end because we have gone through every episode of futurama <laughs> and all four movies oh my oh. gosh yeah um but it's evergreen content of course because the show is not changing my opinions have changed very little <laughs> in the last 20 years about it so uh so go back and listen to those if you're a futurama fan uh, that's almpod.com or another last millennium wherever fine podcasts are downloaded Awesome. Well, I'll make sure all those links are in the show notes. Um, I guess for for me and Paul, you, you know, next week's show, I should say, before we wrap up here, Brian and Kate and I are going to be talking about our Goodreads reading challenge picks that we did. I know we keep plugging it, but we really want you all to just read this incredible list of comics. So Brian, Kate and I are going to be talking about the books that we picked and some of our thoughts on the books that we've read from that list. And yeah, until then, you know, you can follow me on, or you can follow us on Twitter. You can follow Paul at Oh Hi Paulie. You can follow me at Mike Rappin. You can follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok at IRCB Podcast. <laughs> this episode first aired on Patreon is possible because of our wonderful patrons. You can join today for exclusive series like the IRCB Movie Club, Mike and Paul Read Doom Patrol, The Saga of Saga, and much more. Join now at patreon.com slash IRCB Podcast. And if you haven't already, please take a minute to rate and review the show. I think five stars is a fair rating. You can do that on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, wherever you listen to podcasts. It really helps us out and spreads the word about the show. You can join the IRCB Discord community to chat comics and so much more. Listen to our episodes live like our good friend Danny is today. Uh, you can check the link for that in the show notes. You join, come hang out with us. It's a bunch of cool people that, you know, we do hangouts and all sorts of other fun things in a special book club. Uh, it would help us a lot also if you could tell your friends, your local comic shop, your mom, your grandma, your cousin uh, about the show. It just really helps. Word of mouth is the best way to spread the love for any podcast that you listen to. Infinity Shred is the best band in the universe. They do all of our music. We can't thank them enough. Xander is a very cool guy who makes us sound extremely cool every week. He edits the show. We can't thank them enough. And uh, I want to say thank you to Gabe again and Paul for being on the show. Uh, thank you to everyone listening. Thank you to everyone who supports us on Patreon. Thank you to Danny who's hanging out with us live. And until next time, comics are good and so are you. Mm-hmm.